authority. Uh, what a heavy word. You know, immediately our minds are drawn to people placed in charge who have power and influence, who have backing to make decisions, to, to make changes, to execute justice. Those in authority are overseers and are responsible for others. Now, there's varying levels of authority. There's the local city and county and state authorities and, and national authorities, all including authorities of law enforcement and government and, and commerce. There's authority positions within the workforce, uh, supervisors, managers, bosses, CEOs, owners. There's authority within families. Uh, parents are to have authority over their kids, and uh, men are to lead their families with godly authority. Sometimes there's even a, an elder family leader that serves as an authority figure for a, a large family clan. Now, throughout the gospel books, there's a common thread woven through that emphasizes the authority of Jesus. After presenting the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 28 through 29 tells us, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, when the paralytic was lowered down through the roof and into the place where Jesus was teaching, uh, Jesus forgave his sins and, and then healed him. And speaking of this event, Matthew 9, 8 records, but when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God who had given such authority to men. The book of Mark records that early in Jesus' ministry at the Capernaum synagogue, after teaching and casting out an unclean spirit from a man, Jesus said these words, uh, sorry, Jesus did not say these, the, the, the men, the people listening to Jesus and watching him said this, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And then John introduces his gospel accounts with these words, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And the word right is actually the same exact word, the Greek word for authority that we've seen in these other passages. To, him, to them, he gave the authority to become children of God. In order to give authority, you have to first have it, right? Jesus had the authority to authorize people becoming children of God. Also recorded in the book of John is Jesus himself speaking of his own authority. He speaks of God giving him the authority to execute judgment and also the authority to lay down his life and then to take it back up again. The scope of Jesus's authority presented through the gospel is enormous. It's staggering. Uh, through these verses alone, we see Jesus's authority in teaching, his authority over physical health, his authority over evil spirits, authority to pronounce men and women as children of God, uh, Authority in executing judgment, authority over life and death. Jesus' authority is so widespread that every being and created thing in this universe is affected by it. And note that Jesus carries authority and power. Authority and power aren't necessarily both conveyed in just the one word authority. You can have authority and, and not power, and you can have power and not authority. For instance, you might have the, the power to to, to take someone, uh, to force them, subdue them, handcuff them, and then take them down to the police station. But when you arrive there, the police are going to say, you did not have the authority to do that. And they might even arrest you instead. Um, 
you could have the uh, authority to do something, but then not the power to do something. Police have full authority to arrest individuals who are breaking the law, but there are some cities where there are certain parts of those cities that the law enforcement does not enter in. Uh, even if they wanted to make rightful arrests, they do not go in there because they simply don't have the, the workforce power in place in comparison to the gangs and criminals power wielded through their weapons and their workforce. But Jesus has authority and power. He has the right and the means. He has the permission and the ability. Paul describes the authority and power of Jesus like this in his letter to the Colossians. I'm going to read it real slow because I want us to really take in the, the magnitude of what Paul is saying here. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Notice how many times Paul says, all things, everything, first, everything through. He's overemphasizing the magnitude of Jesus. As if he could overemphasize the magnitude of Jesus, right? Here he's describing the authority and power of Jesus displayed through Jesus being the conduit through which all things were created and the, the being for which all things were created. He's the ultimate one who is first, holding everything together. The one in whom God has put all the fullness the one whom God has given the authority and the power to reconcile all forces to God, whether it be earthly things or unearthly things. We are talking serious authority and power here to the highest degree possible. This is the Jesus to whom you were just singing. Wow. The unequaled authority of Jesus was questioned in the passage that we'll be reading this morning. It's my hope to remind us of just how unique and powerful and right and necessary and wise the authority of Jesus is in our lives. I want us to, to remind ourselves of who he is and who we are in light of his massive authority. And as we're reminded of his authority and as we submit more fully to his authority, may we thus be transformed more to his likeness. Matthew 21 in verse 23, we'll begin. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one thing, 
which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? And they begin reasoning among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, we do not know. He also said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Just within the the past week or two, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Just two days ago, he had been declared Messiah and and King of Israel. Just the previous day, he was in the temple courtyards overturning tables and, and benches and had run off those who were buying and selling items in the temple. And now having cleansed the temple, he was there teaching. The parallel account in Luke says Jesus was teaching and preaching the gospel. And the religious leaders wanted to know what right did he have in doing these things? Where were his his credentials? Where were his papers? What right did he have to to be declared king? Uh, Who authorized him to kick business out of the temple? Who had he studied under? What rabbi had commissioned him? Who amongst the religious leaders endorsed him and had given him permission to speak on things concerning God? Now, at this point, this probably wasn't just one or two guys from the temple approaching him and questioning his authority. It says the chief priests and the elders of the people. And again, this is in the middle of the week-long Passover celebration. Everyone is here in Jerusalem. The chief priests and elders of the people that Matthew writes could have included the the high priests, the captain of the temple, 60-some priests functioning in various roles of preparing animals, uh, preparing wood, door, gate, key keepers, treasurers, musicians, bakers, the rabbi teachers, the, the scribes. And each one had their role and functioned in the authority that they had been given according to their position. And Jesus bypassed this whole system and relied solely on the authority given to him by God. He didn't need to go through any means of authority. He he is God himself, uh, commissioned by God to be the highest authority that ever was or ever would be. He answers to no one. But he doesn't ignore their question. In typical wise, sage, rabbi-like manner, he answers their question with a question. And if they were honest, if they were truthful in their answer, they would thus answer the question they themselves proposed. Jesus essentially asked them, from what authority did John cry out, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Who gave John permission to say that? Who gave him permission to introduce a new ceremonious rite of passage of, of baptism? Under whose direction did John declare Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Were these acts heavenly in nature of of God or earthly in nature of mankind's thought in creation? And the obvious answer is God uh, of heavenly origin. Here Jesus is giving the the opportunity for the perfect, simple Sunday school answer. Uh, God? But if they answered Uh, God 
then they would in fact be answering as well the question that they had given to Jesus. God was the authority who authorized Jesus to do these things. But the thought that plagued them even worse in giving the answer of God was knowing that the obvious conclusion would then be that they had gone against God by not listening to John, by by not repenting, by not getting baptized, by not recognizing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The truth would condemn them. Equally as bad would be offering the answer that John had acted just uh, according to what his own brain had told him to do, that all his actions were devoid of God's direction and were guided merely by human reasoning alone. The crowd would have gone crazy because they could clearly see that John was sent by God as a prophet who acted as God's agent. So they chose to avoid truthfully answering Jesus' question. They said they didn't know. They suddenly became agnostic. And I wonder if this is the equation that is going on in many hearts today towards things of spiritual matters. The equation being, if there is denial of Jesus' authority, then there is denial of truth, which will equate to, I don't know. The religious leaders were willing to admit that God, that they weren't willing to admit that God was, had given authority to Jesus. And thus they weren't willing to admit the truth that John was an anointed godly prophet. And in the end, all that was left was, we do not know. If you don't recognize his authority, then truth will become vague. If you don't consider the the scripture as the authoritative word from God, then truth becomes really unclear. And once the truth becomes unclear, the result is a slippery slope of not knowing what is up and what is down, what is right, what is wrong, what is godly, what is ungodly. Inadvertently, there's another result of denying the authority of Jesus in your life. Look again at verse 27 at Jesus' response to their answer of, we do not know. He says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. He closed them off. The dialogue that they wanted to have take place was finished, ended. If you deny the authority of Jesus in your life, then you'll be very limited in what you hear from him. Here in this passage, uh, Jesus, in his mercy, he actually gave them more chances to be convicted by his authority and truth. Uh, look at the story he immediately tells, starting in verse 28. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. The man came to the second and said the same thing, and he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterward so as to believe him. John MacArthur, he notes that there's not a third son in this story that says yes and does the will of his father. Uh, No, there's just two sons here who both mess it up. 
It's as if Jesus is representing all of mankind through these two sons who were both guilty of evil. They were both guilty of rebelling against the authority of their father. The first rebelled against his father's authority by saying no. The second rebelled against his father by not doing what his father had asked. That they both were guilty, just as we are each guilty of rebelling against our father. The distinction between these two sinner sons and the distinction between the sinners of the human race is between those who rebel and those who rebel and repent. We're all rebels. We, we all have the opportunity to, to repent and by action approve the, uh, the authority of Jesus over our lives. There's, there's hope for us all. If you haven't submitted to Jesus' authority fully in your life, then there's still hope. You can change that. You can repent and affirm his authority over you. You can choose now to acknowledge his rightful place in your life and do the right things that you weren't doing before. Maybe today is the day for someone to fully surrender to the authority of Jesus and to accept his authority in their life. I mean, he already holds all the, the right and power to, and claim of authority over you anyway as his created being. But the unique thing about Jesus is that he doesn't force himself onto anyone. Though through his, his far-reaching authority and power, he could will you to do anything he wanted, but he has given us each a gift in uh, being able to choose or reject him, to, to be able to recognize for ourselves his worthiness of authority and power or his unworthiness of authority and power. The choice is ours. For those of us who have surrendered to Jesus and who have accepted his authority in our lives, may we never be compared to this second son who received his father's authoritative command and yet didn't follow through with actions that proved and reflected the authority over him. You see, we can profess Jesus. We can profess his authority over uh, in teaching, his authority over health, Authority in executing judgment. Authority over evil spirits. Authority to pronounce others as children of God. Authority in executing judgment. Authority over life and death. But we can then live in such a way that denies his authoritative rule in our lives. Now, we can profess his authority in teaching, yet choose not to read it. Or, and choose not to allow it to transform our lives. We might wholeheartedly agree that the Bible is God's authoritative word over us, but are we handling it as such? We can profess his authority over health, yet remember to call the doctor and forget to pray to him and, and ask for his authority to be present over even illness. God's not a genie in a bottle, but we should at least approach him first knowing that all things are subject to his command. We can talk about his authority over evil spirits, yet fail to recognize doors that we potentially open into a demonic world through what we view on screens. There's a massive amount of spiritual activity taking place around us each and every moment of every day. And we have the opportunity to allow evil forces to be authoritative in our lives, evil authorities representing fear, Lust, anger, dissension, negativity, greed, selfishness. 
Or we can allow the supreme authority of Jesus to reign in our lives, casting out all fear, lust, anger, dissension, negativity, greed, and selfishness. If we believe what Jesus says, then we agree that he has given us the authority to become children of God. Are we living in that truth or is it just head knowledge? That do we really realize that because of what Jesus has done, we are considered children of God. You're a unique image of your creator. There's no one like you. There's, there's never been someone like you, nor will there ever be someone like you. Your unique way of thinking, acting, doing, talking, all that you are has been given to you by a father who loves you and who delights in seeing his DNA expressed through you. Will you accept that? Will you live in that love as a child of God? We say Jesus is the ultimate judge. We agree with scripture that he has the authority to, to, to judge right from wrong and to reward and punish according to unequaled fairness and justice. Yet it's so easy for us to take that authority away from him, to place ourselves in the, the judge's seat. Instead of thinking the best of someone's intentions, uh, we think the worst. Instead of forgiving one another, we hold on to past mistakes. Instead of getting offended at how much we personally have messed up, we get super offended at others when they mess up. Don't just agree with your mouth like this second son, saying, I will, sir, I accept your authority, I submit to your authority. No, follow up with your actions showing that you submit to the authority of Jesus as the ultimate judge. This Jesus who had the authority to lay down his life and raise it back up again. God himself in flesh is the supreme being of the universe. Having already expressed his unequaled authority in so many different ways throughout his ministry and after proving his authority further by raising himself from the dead before leaving earth to return to his father in heaven, he said these words to his followers. All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus here is connecting his all-inclusive, unmatched, unhindered, all-powerful authority over everything in the entire universe to his followers making other disciples. He says, remember my authority? Go, you can do it, I'm sending you out. And I'm with you forever. My all-powerful authority will be with you. You see, although he desires for us to submit fully to his authority, it's not that he wants to crush us with his authority. He doesn't abuse his authority and power. He's not a ruthless dictator. Rather, he wants to encourage us, to build us up, to equip us. He wants us to, to join him in his work, to share in that authority, uh, to realize that when we submit to his authority, that he is on our side, promising to, to never leave us nor forsake us. We've heard this 
Great Commission verse over and, and over. We, we know it's been ingrained into us that our job as believers is to make disciples, to baptize others, to teach them the commands of Jesus. But maybe we've paid a little less attention to the precursor of all that, where Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is huge. This is a reminder that the work to be done is to be done not in our own strength, it, nor is it a work that we should shy away from. This great commission is a, a reminder of Jesus' authority in teaching, authority over physical health, authority over evil spirits, authority to pronounce others as children of God, authority in executing judgment, authority over life and death, authority through which all things were created and for, were created for. That, that authority walks with you if you let him. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for the authority that you've given Jesus and that you want to share that authority even with us as his followers as we submit to that authority in our lives. And Lord, I ask that you'd forgive us for the times in which we've denied that authority or we've stepped up to the, the place where you actually belong. Lord, I pray that you would soften and humble our hearts, that we would be completely submissive to your authority, your rule in our lives, that what you say to do, we would do it. Where you say to go, we would go. Lord, whatever it is, allow us to accept your authority, to know that you're not gonna squash us or, or, or beat us down under that authority, but your authority in our lives is only there to, to bless us, to, to give us more of you, to, to keep uh, our lives on track, to, to protect us from harm. There might be some ways in which some of us need to deal with that authority, to submit further, to, to give you more of that control. And I pray that right now, Lord, that you would search our hearts as we do business with you, that you would speak to us and, and show us if there's any way that we've been bucking your authority. Whether it be in words or in actions. May we not be like the second son who, who says all the right answers but lives in a different manner. Father, allow us not to, to be hypocritical like that. Work in us, Father. Change us. Transform us. Right now, as the, the music softly plays, I'd, I'd ask that you would do business with, with God, that you'd allow him to search your heart, that if there's any way that you need to, to give more of the reins over to him, that you'd make that decision this morning. If you need to come up and grab me, I'm available to, to talk, to pray with you. If you want to come to here to the, the front to, to pray, to, to physically act out what you're giving over to the Lord, that the altar is always open. Do business with our Lord, our God, our King right now. Lord Jesus, as we leave this place, may we continue to focus our attention on you. May we continue to allow your authoritative rule to be present in our lives. May our decisions, may our actions, 
everything we do, our, our time spent, our time management, the way we treat others, the, the way we discipline our kids, the, the way we take care of parents, grandparents, every interaction may be filtered through allowing you to, to rule and reign in our lives as the supreme being of the universe. And Lord, if there's one moment that we step out of that to convict our hearts, bring us back, bring us back to recognizing you as the ultimate authority. Lord, if we're tempted to chip away at your authority because of what society thinks, what our culture thinks, Lord, convict us. Bring us back to the truth of your authoritative word. May we not waver in, in any way. Lord, thank you that you walk with us. We're asking that you would guide us this week, Father. Speak to your people. We need you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.